Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Forty years after the Israelites left Egypt, they were about to enter the land that God had promised to them. It was a beautiful land, as God described it, a land flowing with milk and honey. It is the place that God had commanded Abraham to go to, and there Abraham dwelled, though he did not have that land as his permanent home. That occurred hundreds of years earlier. It is the place then where Isaac was born, and along with Esau, and then also Isaac's son, Jacob, and where those 12 sons were also born. It is the place that God had promised. It is most especially the place where God would fulfill his promise that he would send his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, into human flesh. For there he would pay for the sins of the entire world. Here they are, the Israelites. They are now situated at this point to Deuteronomy chapter 8 on the east side of the Jordan River. They're getting ready to cross over the river and claim the land that God had reserved for them. At this point, Moses is 120 years old. He had been with God's people these past four decades. And as the people of Israel are encamped on the east side of the Jordan, Moses reviews with God's people the law as God gave it to them at Mount Sinai nearly 40 years earlier. All of these events are recorded in the book of Deuteronomy. And of course, we just heard 10 verses of Deuteronomy in our Old Testament reading tonight. Obviously, their anticipation levels are high, but after having no permanent place to lay their heads for the last 40 years, they are no doubt wearied by that long sojourn in the wilderness. But despite that, God had certainly blessed them over those past 40 years. As Moses points out, God is giving them a wonderful land. And over those past 40 years, he fed them manna and he gave them quail to eat. Their clothing, remarkably, miraculously, by the hand of God, did not wear out over those last 40 years, nor did their feet swell as they engaged in that very long sojourn. They did not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. When they arrive in the land that God promised them, God had said that they will eat and be full. They will lack nothing. God will bless them, for the land features brooks of water, fountains and springs, valleys and hills, It is a land of wheat and barley, vines and pomegranates, fig trees and olive trees, a land that sounds glorious, a land that sounds as glorious as a land that we live in. These people have every reason to bow their heads in thanksgiving because God had chosen this group of people above all other peoples. And God has demonstrated his presence among them time and time again, not simply through the spoken word, but also through his miraculous hand. 
God continued to teach them his saving word of grace. And God is blessing them by granting to them good things despite the reality that they lived in a fallen world. They had witnessed many miracles of God, including the 10 plagues, crossing the Red Sea on dry ground, bitter waters becoming sweet, water coming out of a rock, God entering the tabernacle, God's presence among them as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, giving them manna, being healed of snake bites by looking at the bronze serpent that, God, that Moses had assembled in accordance to God's will. And God was incredibly patient with these people. Over the previous 40 years, God's people grumbled and complained time and time again, probably countless times. Yet God never abandoned them. God never, despite their grumbling and complaining, withdrew his promises from them. God never left them out on their own. The Israelites probably didn't go out looking for disappointments, but maybe they did because that seems to be human nature. But they certainly found them. Even after witnessing God's amazing miracles through the 10 plagues and being set free from their slavery in Egypt, the Israelites took the first opportunity to be set back with disappointment and to grumble and complain as they approached the Red Sea with the Egyptian army hot on their tail. Miraculously, though, God parted the Red Sea and let them cross on dry ground, thereby saving them from the Egyptian army. And, being, and returning back into slavery under the Egyptians. Then as they're traveling through the wilderness, they find that they have no water, and God commands Moses to strike a stone, and instantly clean water comes out so that the people have something to drink. When the people of Israel heard the divine law of God, they said, this is too much for our ears to hear. We do not want to hear this type of word from God. They grumbled and they complained at the word which God gave them. When Moses was up on the mountain too long, they were, became discouraged and disappointed, saying, we don't know what happened to him. And so they fashioned gold into an image that they began to worship. And later the people would grumble because they were tired of eating this manna because, as they claimed, their fathers did not know what it was. God's patience is simply amazing and astounding. He is far more patient than we are. He stuck with his people and his promises despite their repeated grumbling, rebellion, and even unbelief. God's thoughts are clearly higher than our thoughts, and his ways are clearly beyond our ways. They are unsearchable. In our day, we don't have to look very far to find disappointments. For those of us on Evergy last night, we had a nearly five-hour power outage. While it was announced the, yesterday morning to some people, not everyone received the message, and it wasn't announced very early. Many wasted no time to grumble and complain, even over the required maintenance 
as if having electricity is the only way to, to survive. Man's ingratitude is amazing. We give thanks to God day and night for the gift of electricity and for the remarkable uptime that we enjoy in this country. That's what we ought to be doing, giving thanks continually. I remember hearing of a missionary in Africa who spoke of the frequent uh, power interruptions that he endured while he was out on his mission post. While we have them once in a while, it's nothing like they face. So we should do nothing but give thanks. When we find ourselves without such things, we should just simply bow our heads on our knees in thanksgiving for all the times that they are working and working well. We find disappointments though, instead of giving thanks, as businesses make mistakes, when we find ourselves making mistakes, when our bodies are not functioning 100%, when people wrong us, when things break, when politicians do not fulfill their promises, when politicians do fulfill their promises, when cell phone coverage is poor, when the internet connection is slow or not working, when we are filled with stress, when we endure family problems, when our favorite teams are losing, and when the days are too cloudy or too short, or when there's not enough rain, or when there is too much rain. Instead of being disappointed by all the things that we feel are not right, and all the attention that we give to them, there is far more right in our lives and much more for us to focus on in which we can be grateful and thankful. God humbled, or God himself humbled the Israelites through their various afflictions as he tested them. He taught them, yet again, that man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. He disciplines his children as a father disciplines his son. He uses all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We can be thankful. We should bow our heads in thanksgiving and get on our knees in thanksgiving that God has preserved us yet another year. Re regardless of the hardships that we have faced or the loss of loved ones we have endured or the pains that we have suffered in our bodies, God has still preserved us. He has been with us every moment. He has heard every prayer that we have offered to him all of our petitions, all of our cries for mercy, all of our praises, all of our words of thanksgiving. And God has blessed us with enough food. He has blessed us with clothing and shelter. He has blessed us with the ability to have time with our families. He has blessed us with favorable weather. He has blessed us with so many amenities to make our daily chores easier. The list really goes on and on. Just as the Israelites were camped outside the promised land, ready to enter with great anticipation, so also we are camped outside the church triumphant, looking to enter with great anticipation. The church triumphant, if you recall, is the church in heaven, where we go to, be, to rest from our labors and be with the Lord. In this life though, while we are still here, we acknowledge 
and we recognize, we testify, and we give thanks for the many blessings that God has granted to us. And just as God had taught the Israelites his word, so also he is teaching us his word. Just as God was with the Israelites throughout their 40 years in the wilderness, so also he is with us. Just as they were wanderers in the wilderness, so we are wanderers. Peter describes us as sojourners and pilgrims in this fallen world. And we are awaiting to enter the promised land of paradise. Just as God was patient with them, so also God is as patient with us. Just as Christ was present among the Israelites as the rock who went before them and followed them, so also Christ remains our rock of ages who is present among us. We are waiting with great anticipation that last day. And that's why we confess in the creed, I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. We are on the verge of crossing into God's promised land, into paradise, an eternity with God after what seems to be an eternity in this fallen world. We can look in confident hope of the things to come because God certainly fulfills his promises, which is yet another thing for us to be thankful for. He kept his promise made to the Israelites and brought them into the promised land. He kept his promise made throughout the Old Testament and sent his only begotten son to pay for the sins of the entire world. He kept his promise to bless us with his word and faith until that time he receives us into his eternal kingdom. For all of this, we give him thanks. We give the glory to God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We sing our praises boldly to him. We rejoice in the many blessings that we have by being called into God's family, by being Christian. On bended knee, we give thanks to God for baptizing us into Christ so that we die to sin and rise to newness of life, so that we are united to the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have much to be thankful for, and in comparison, very few disappointments. Above all, we give thanks that God has sent his Son. Just as Moses raised up that bronze serpent on that pole for the people to look at when they are bitten by snakes, so also we who feel the sting of the serpent's bite that is with our sin, we look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We receive from him complete forgiveness of all of our sin. The weight of our sin is taken away. Christ is triumphant. He buried our sins in the grave. He shed his innocent blood on the cross. He rose from the grave to give us eternal life. He lives and he promises that life for us. The victory which he won, he grants to us for free. And so we continue to sing our praises, giving thanks continually for all of his benefits. He is merciful, and we rejoice in him. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen. We continue by singing the hymn as printed in your bulletins.